Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Welcome to Better Tech. I'm Jocelyn Hull, and we're really excited to be interviewing Dara Meath, the CTO of Build-A-Bear. Welcome, Dara. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really great to meet you. In case uh, there are audience members who don't know, um, you're the CTO of Build-A-Bear. Let's talk about Build-A-Bear. Um, and some people may be living under a rock and not know what it is. Help us understand what that company does and the scale. Sure. Well, Build-A-Bear, and you might see my friend here with me who always who always comes to an interview. Uh, Build-A-Bear is a experience-based um, area for children, adults, uh, teens to come and build a little special um, love, um, a special friend in their life for themselves or someone else. Um, and it's just a really great place to come and um, get get someone special to, to bring forward into their life. Um, we have stores, retail stores online, and then we're in a lot of different areas like Great with Lodge, Carnival Cruises, um, FAO Swartz. Um, and we've got all these great areas that you can go and really dress them and build them and share a hug and share a special moment with them. That's amazing. Our family certainly has enjoyed uh, Build-A-Bear and worked. Uh, we've gone there with our kids and I'm sure many others have and are really excited to hear from you. Your role as a CTO uh, has uh, special characteristics, I'm sure. And every company kind of has a different definition of CTO. Can you help us understand what your mandate is and, and what types of things you're working on? Yeah. I mean, I get the really unique pleasure of overseeing all of technology. So although the title is CTO, which you're right in every company means a little something different. I build a bear. I get the opportunity of overseeing anywhere from the hardware and infrastructure and network straight over to the data and AI. Um, we get to work in all of the digital and really backending and helping to lift those websites and how the businesses are performing. Um, we get involved with everything end to end for technology in the business. Um, so it's an absolute pleasure to be able to put those pieces together, watch them build the building blocks around it, and really see the company come to life as technology touches everything within um, a business today, and especially at Build-A-Bear. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about fostering innovation, right? That's the title of our show today, Fostering Innovation and Staying Ahead. Um, but before we do, it's just a very interesting role that you have. Um, how did you evolve into this role? Because I understand you've also worked with a number of small startups. Yeah, I, you know, I love small startups. I love big business and I love putting the two together. Um, Build-A-Bear Build had that nice centric piece of it. There's so much warmth and smallness to it that makes everything very personalized and makes people really feel like everything they do, uh, they do it from end to end and allows them to really see it forward and gives them that love and respect. Um, but what I love about it is the business. So um, as I fostered others in small uh, businesses, what I got to learn is how the pieces started to build, right? And so we talk about building blocks, how people just started to see their vision, work through their vision and do it to the sense where technology was going to be inserted into that vision. So maybe you start with a product, maybe you're starting with a technology uh, business. Any way you start, at some point, that has to evolve into communications. It has to evolve into planning and uh, forecasting, right? It evolves into supply chains. It works into warehousing, works into all those different instrumentals, which all takes technology to build it. So it's an exciting thing to watch a company come up and rise. 
Um, it's also exciting to watch them, you know, pivot in each stage that they go through and hit those milestones. As I look at big business, I've been through so many larger companies and coming back into um, the mid-tier, it's watching and showing those pieces that work for big companies and helping businesses grow into those pieces. So um, walking into Build-A-Bear was a very natural, uh, you know, next phase for me. The company is amazing. I love what they do for the consumer and what their message means to consumers. So it was able to take some technology and walk through um, the different words of technology and help the company bring that forward. And in 2023, we saw a lot of success by doing that. Amazing. So you're really responsible for driving that innovation that's scalable and repeatable in your organization. Do you have any examples to just share with us in the audience to get us uh, anchored in the types of things you're working on? Yeah, it's great. Um, I think Build-A-Bear, when I walked in, right, we had a, a just a talent pool of great technology uh, associates on, on staff and, and partnered with really good um, organizations. And we have obviously a really talented group overall for all the different um, leaders, their teams, marketing, right, digital, and so on. Putting that all together just takes uh, a lot of resources and planning. Um, and so once we started to get together and start to understand what kind of projects were going to change the 2023 landscape, uh, we started to put that together. And so it was a vision, um, adding that vision into a plan, making that plan come together in executables. Um, and so, so great examples of that was really changing the way we were doing our point of sale and, and really touching the consumer in the stores. Um, when you walk into a Build-A-Bear, we have different stations and stations are great because you walk into your first station. It's like, what bear do I want to see? Right. And then how do I want to go and stuff it? And what do I want to put inside of it? Is there a heart? Is there a voice? What is there? And then when you're done that, you can go and dress it. You can go and name it and play with it and then go over to the cash register. And now we're taking the journey starting at the point of coming in and picking a bear we now personalize and say, tell me about your bear. And we start the journey alongside with you. And our point of sale does that by helping them to give them um, you know, options of what might look good with their bear, help them to go over to the other sections and see the bear differently. And so we're taking them through that journey. We continue that on our digital site. Um, you can go in and build a bear on our digital site. And as you build the bear, you get to see and play with the bear, You know, whether it's a voice or the way you wanna dress the bear. And so we're helping to personalize, which immediately brings innovation back out to the consumer, helps them to understand Build-A-Bear in a different way. And we're doing that for so many things. This year really brought, besides new to point of sales, besides lifting our digital sites, we brought in new payment structures, um, just the way we think about our consumers and how they want to shop with us. Um, and we're bringing a lot more to them. So it makes them easier and faster and the best way that they can check out with us. Everything you're saying is blowing my mind and I have a million questions. I want to talk about the tech side, but also the business side, because the retail business is its own special animal. Uh, you were mentioning that um, point of sale. What would you, for our listeners, and I guess for myself, like what's what has to be true for a great retail experience that's going to, right? It's different now than it has it, been it, even it, a few yeah. years ago. It is. And I would say every business is different. You know, I was in businesses that the customer wanted to come in and, they wanted a glass of champagne and they wanted to sit down and they wanted to be personalized to in that way. And they wanted to take their time. Um, and then we go into retailers um, and similar to Bill Bear where there's time, but there's not as much time because they've gone through their experience. And once they're done their experience, the last thing they want to do is stand at our cash register trying to check out when a kid's like, I just want to go play with my bear, right? And I want to keep going. So there is this modal of like, how do we get them in? 
have the, the best experience they can, really help them enjoy, uh, give them a lot more heart to their life. And then when they're leaving, make sure that it's seamless and that they're able to understand um, that Build-A-Bear is there for them to be able to get out the door. But also, if we have that opportunity, let's have you come back and, and learn more about us. So making sure that we, you know, hopefully have done a great service and collected their information so that when they come back, they're a part of our, our loyalty, they're a part of our journey for the future, and they're able to get back in and work with us. I, so I think yeah, and I think no, I was just gonna say, I think in technology it's tough, right? You have to make sure that you model it to every business that you have. Right. And also for any product managers listening out there, people who are interested in innovating, I really cannot, I really want to underscore what you're saying. It's such a beautiful example of something like payments. If I was to bring in a young student in product management and say, hey, let's talk about this user experience, this customer experience, they might think, oh, payments is this afterthought, but it's this core component to the whole experience uh, that you wouldn't necessarily put on your list first thing. You know what? It's so funny. I say that all the time. We talk about payments and we say, a couple of years ago, I remember when Apple Pay was still on top, right? And and then, you know, PayPal was still leveraging up there. And there's just all these great different innovations that were coming out. We still started to um, talk about how payments were going to make the difference on the journey. And we know that today on digital, because if you get to the checkout and it's difficult and it's cumbersome and you can't just seamlessly check out, people aren't going to stay on your product line because they can go anywhere. Right. And so the goal is to make sure that when they're with you, that they're checking out with ease and process. And we're always continuing to re-innovate that. It's the same thing in store. Um, besides not wanting to stay in line, people don't have the time or, you know, they might not have the child standing next to them going, come on, mom, come on, mom. Right. So we want to make sure that we're always conscious of that. But at the same time, the, the biggest thing that you can do during all of that is security, right? Making sure that everything that you're putting forth, that the consumer understands that you have their security in mind, that you have a privacy in mind, and that everything that you're building is with that thought process at the head of it. I was just thinking, Daria, I told you when we um, briefly pre-met that I'm a data person and worked in tech and data for a long time. And so that was a question I had for you as a CTO. Um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on how you are in two ways, using data to innovate and expand, but also uh, keep it safe and private. You know, What are some of the tactics and thoughts you've had around that? Yeah, I think um, what's what's great about our, our you know, being able to be oversight of everything um, means that you actually get a chance to make sure that it's all connected together. And that's the most important thing. Um, data is in everything that we do today, right? Whether, you know, uh, you know, we're sending out something to the consumer or we're writing an email to, to a colleague. It's all about the way that we're you know, consuming that and putting that forward into our systems. And so it's such an important part of our DNA as a business um, and it's important to make sure that at every point that you're relooking at it. So quarterly, we do heavy reviews against all of our different initiatives and securities. And in that is all the data layers and how they're moving. And we're constantly reconsuming that data into a more safety net environment as we think things coming out onto the uh, forefront of the new year and how things are evolving, the way data is being used. We're constantly reevaluating it and changing and adjusting to it. And so what I love is our future is very agile with that. We're looking at different models that allow us to bring data in and out, but in a very safe and end-to-end -end point consumption so that it's not touching a lot of different systems. It's not touching a lot of different layers. It's a very seamless process that says, well, the journey is short, which means it makes it safe. 
And as the journey is going safe, we also end-to-end secure it. And so we we do a lot with that. Uh, we're constantly looking at rebuilding older services and bringing them into newer services. And so 2024 will be another additional lift against that. And so as we look at um, you know those consumers, we have to look at those that are very young to those that are much older and make sure that they understand their safety is first with us. So mm-hmm. we put a lot into our privacy rules. We put a lot into our age gates, which are a part of our business to make sure that you are of a certain age to come shop with us. And we do a lot to make sure that we safeguard that. And then as we look at it, we still make sure that it's personalized. So Gen AI is a part of our, our infrastructure. Um, we're constantly talking to the consumer and personalizing it. Well, you might have purchased this lovely bear with us, but by the way, he could use a pair of glasses. Maybe you'd like to have a bow tie. Perhaps you'd like to name them differently in the future. Um, and so there's tons of things that we're doing around that to make sure that consumers understand that it's not just a bear. It's a bear with love and we know how you shop and we're going to help you to shop the right way. Amazing. Yeah. I was about to say, because your business has to be so immediate and so focused on personalization, you must be thinking about uh, generative AI. It's probably also, um, you know, just to let you know, you can't do any podcasts without talking about generative AI anymore. Uh, however, um, one thing that I was thinking about is you you probably were already using a lot of machine learning, right? And how are you thinking about um, and this for like almost tactically, there's these amazing generative AI tools. You're the CTO. I'm sure everyone's knocking on your door like, hey, what are we doing about Gen AI? To your yeah. other CTO uh, peers, <laughs> you know, like, what do you do when you get that call from the CEO? Like, hey, Dara, what are we doing about this? Yeah, yeah. There's always pressure, right? I love um, that so many people engage into technology and there's those that are in the marketing field, the merchandising field, um, you know, the executive field. They're constantly going out and learning. Uh, but it does make it a challenge when they come back and say, well, how does this fit into us? You know, how does this work in our tech stack? And you have to be realistic. I think uh, the best thing I've ever done is communicate and be honest. I think it's the best thing you can do as a technology leader and say, I want that tech as much as you do. But here are the steps we're going to need to take to get there. So first, we know if we put Gen AI on top of anything, the data has to be clean and it has to be ready for it, right? There's nothing... You can do worse than put something on and suddenly it starts to hallucinate in an AI space and it's no longer going after the captured audience we were looking for. It's no longer, you know, personalizing the way that you want it to. And so the goal is to make sure that when you're going into this, that you first have the right environment for it, which means you have to go into a crawl, walk, run approach, just like you would do anything else. Um, So we know that when we started AI, whether it was in a chat box or whether it was something that we were building an algorithm for, it is always going to be that approach. Okay, what am I trying to accomplish? Is it a business goal? And what is our strategy around it? And then making sure you bring all the parties together. Because those in the marketing field might be thinking about Gen AI much differently than those in the technology field or in the leadership field, right? Everybody knows about it, but they might not know exactly the strategy and what they want to use it for. And so building that and putting those pieces together and telling the teams, we are going to do this at one shot together, and we're going to do it against one different opportunity. So you may take a holiday if you're Mm -hmm. a retailer, or you may take a certain project, and you might aim towards that and say, okay, I have one strategy, one objective. We're all going to look for whatever results we want out of it. And we're going to build those results, right? So maybe it's just helping someone have a better experience. Maybe it's understanding our consumer differently. So whatever you're using it for, the optics have to be clear. And when the optics are clear, 
it's easy to get the results back out from it. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's one thing I want to just double click on, right? Is this ability to balance. I love what you're saying, right? Because you have to bring your peers with you, the decision makers with you, and you meet them. What I hear you saying is you meet them where they are to help them understand from a business perspective. Correct. That's yeah. absolutely you have to listen. I mean, as a technologist, you're there to advise, you're there to steer them in the right direction, and you're there to build and execute the results. But you're not there to always go in and put something forward. It's a partnership. And what I love about Build-A-Bear is the leadership team is fully partnered. It's one of the reasons I wanted to go there is because everyone has a voice. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has value. And so it's it's working as in tangent together. And then it's the same thing with all the, the associates in the company, right? So when we build something, we bring everyone in. If I'm building something for, um, let's say finance, it's not just a financial project, right? It's a financial project that has end results back into the merchandising team or the marketing team or the operations team. And so all of the parties have to come together to constantly understand and build it together. And that's what I love. Yeah. And I think that's um, an interesting cornerstone when you are fostering innovation and trying to stay ahead. And a lot of small companies, I, I, I think, forget this, is the ability to stick together is an asset all by itself. It is. It is. If you lose sight of that at any point, uh, I think you go off your your journey. And I think it, the results are it takes you longer to get there you're no longer speaking the same context. So what you're seeing is people are thinking that the results are coming out the right way. And as a result, you know, you fail. The project doesn't go any further. Mm -hmm. So we don't put uh, our initiatives and our goals are to put things forward together. And if you do that, you can grow into the billions and the billions and the billions because suddenly everyone's aligned. Let's, uh, yeah, right, I want to talk a little bit more about that, but in the context of fostering innovation and, and staying ahead from the um, from the perspective, I'm thinking of our listeners. Maybe there's somebody who's uh, kind of like you or wants to be like you in the next few years. Um, they're trying, maybe they're working at a, a very small company or a mid-sized company looking to grow it. Um, what would you say in the, in the Dara Meath business book that you're going, that we write, what are the key pillars to fostering innovation? Yeah. So fostering innovation is um, knowing that every time you go and do something to make sure that you are constantly, constantly re-educating yourself. I think the biggest thing that you can do is to keep learning, right? Because innovation changes each day and the meaning of innovation changes each day, right? In my concurrent role, last year, Gen AI was our buzzword. The year before that was probably just AI itself, right? was the big buzzword. Next year in 2024, there'll be a new buzzword, but it's like not just knowing the word, it's knowing what it means and what it means to your business, to other businesses, to the consumer, what is happening with it. But it's also re-educating each piece of it. As we constantly are changing, right, we have to keep learning and redeveloping ourselves. So innovation is not just what you think, it's what you know and learn and can rethink. And can relearn, and that's I what I love. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And just to dig, like dig a little deeper, um, like what are the tips and tricks in there? Because I do think everyone says, "Hey, you got to listen. You got to keep learning." Um, but there's this: it's learning can be painful. Okay, <laughs> and it's time-consuming, right? Um, I would say that you know I learn from so many different avenues. I learn constantly from those that work for me. 
I learned, I, I always say I'm, I'm only as good as everybody that's around me because I keep really smart people with me, right? Because they help to keep learning and then they re-educate me. And I love that because each day, um, you know, I put so much into, and I'll say this, um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's also a lot of cost. In our budget, we have, um, you know, started off with so much in the budget to be able to go after education and certifications with all of the associates in our department. We then over this next year, double that, right? And then next year, we'll double that again. And the goal is to keep helping others keep growing themselves. And through that, you naturally keep learning from them. Um, at the same time, while they're doing that, it's your job to go do that yourself. So I'll take online um, classes, I'll go through podcasts, I'll read constantly, right? So I, I think every night I fall asleep to some kind of article or some kind of news, um, something new that's happening. And it's in business, right? It's in um, tech. Uh, we can't make it just in one area. Otherwise, if we only said we were tech leaders, we would have one hat for the coin. If we never said we were business leaders as well, we wouldn't understand business. So why, how do you put tech into a business you don't understand, right? So it's key. Yeah, I'm going to kind of just summarize a little bit of what I'm hearing you say, because I think it's so important for our audience and for me to remember, too, is that, you know, lots of leaders say we always want to learn, but that it's kind of treated like off the side of the desk. And so what you're saying is, as a leader, you're making it a part of the job, you're funding it. Um, that's kind of amazing to just point out, right? Like that's a yeah. real part of your job and an expected place for you to spend time, not just extra on the weekends or whatever the case may be. Um, and the other thing I love that you're saying is to relearn and revalidate what you think, you know, I find this so much with leadership is they knew something that was super valid seven years ago, five years ago, and then they get sound, they sound a little dusty. That's correct. You've got to stay really ahead of things. I mean, every new year, there's new words getting added to the dictionary. So what are we adding to our own um, dictionary, right? What are we adding to our own books in-house? And um, I think it's super important that everyone stays educated on my team and they feel empowered that way, right? Whether it's me being in um, new sources, I bring in tons of um, different um, professionals coming and talk now. So we're going to do an um, IT summit in, in the spring this year, and I'm bringing tons of different leaders in from the community to talk about what they're doing, to just give different values and, and um, views about what's happening within their business and how they're using their technology, how they're using it to landscape their business. And for me, it's just different ways of re-educating my teams. Um, because everybody learns differently. Some people learn really great in a classroom setting. Some people learn on the job really well and others like to listen and learn. And so by giving them every opportunity, I think um, each one of them feels empowered. And at the end, each one of them want to stay longer and grow further with you. And so there is that whole hidden agenda underneath that says, if you build it together, people want to stay together and watch it come together. So it's exciting. Yeah, I think these are all really great points because especially because uh, technology and data is such an intersectional activity uh, that requires new information. And we've talked a little bit about collaborating with your peers and making it understandable for um, all different types of uh, partners in your journey. Um, I know you've been working with a lot of startups. I want to ask you a few questions about your advisory board work as well, but help us understand from your perspective as a CTO of a successful company, um, when you think about like small, medium, large as mm -hmm. like areas like maturity for a company where, how do you see that um, in terms of assets and pitfalls? So you're very small. Yeah. And then you're growing. Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, well, look, small is ambitious and exciting and um, you know, they have 
only so much cost and, and resources. And so what happens is I find them to get, they feel like they get blocked out very quickly because they don't have everything at their fingertips to go and grab and do. Um, and so whether it's, you know, the funding only goes so far or whether they only have so many resources because they only have so much funding, um, I find that the business is super exciting. And so what you find is visionaries sometimes can't get out of their own way because they think they're blocked because they don't have something in front of them to go and obtain. And so I constantly remind them that they're not, right? They just have to relook at the way that they're using their resources. And maybe they have to go get a few more handouts before they're able to do it themselves. And that's okay, right? Because handouts are, are quite fine when you're starting to build. And, and sometimes they have to go and do some more freebie things, right? Maybe they're attending events on, you know, someone else's coattails, right? Maybe they're going and they're learning by doing a lot more investigation than others have to. There's a lot of ways to obtain a great business as they're building it. Um, but the goal is to keep driving them and make sure that they feel like each milestone is a big win. So I say the smallest wins are the biggest wins we always have because every small win builds into something so much bigger in the end, right? Uh -huh. And so I make sure that they remind them to build into small wins and celebrate each one. Maybe they got a new vendor, you know, maybe they 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 put their first product online. It's just uh -huh. those exciting little pieces. Basics. Um, yeah, it's really basic, right? And fun. And then as we look at middle-sized businesses, um, you often get caught up into, okay, now I'm, I don't know, you know, $500,000, right? How do I get into the billion dollar mark, right? Or how do I get into the million dollar mark, right? And so whatever that milestone might be that people are looking towards, it's how do I get past that next hump? And that takes strategy and innovation and a clear goal. Um, and it has to be thinking outside the box. Whatever you were doing for the last couple of years that got you there was fantastic, but that just stabilizes you. Now let's think of new ways of getting there, right? Maybe it's a new avenue of sales that we need to introduce, or maybe it's a new market you need to get into. So as I look at businesses like Build-A-Bear, which is at this amazing marker, right? We are on the cusp of doubling our business in the years to come. Such talent, such innovation. I look at the ways that we're going to be doing that. And there are so many avenues open to us. It's incredible. And we're all thinking outside of that. And then as we look at big businesses, I think that the strength hold there is to make sure that companies start to make sure that they, well, as they're there, continue to communicate. I think what happens in big businesses, you find silos, right? And those silos don't give you the opportunities to forge that communication or that interconnectedness that you need. And so they get stuck in their own pods and they forget to go ask for help in other areas. And so what big businesses do really well is they have a successful business with a lot of talents and they're constantly churning out things. Well, what they sometimes forget to do is that they're too big and they forget the smaller things and how those little wins are going to help them succeed to become bigger and bigger. And so they don't necessarily always innovate as quickly as others do because they can't get into their own grooves or into their own initiatives in a cadence that works for them. So if you wanted to be an innovator, even in a mid-sized or large company, what I hear you saying is it's really important to create those cross connections. That, yeah. 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 Um, it is. It's, it's constantly, I think in technology, it's a work in progress every day. And so when you think you have it figured out, you don't. You have to go back and reinvent and relook at something. And so when you think that you, you know, you've had enough meetings with some department, you're like, oh, I'm good. I just put a go live project for them. They're sitting pretty for a while. Don't, because you have to go back to them. You have to reconnect with them. You have to ask them what's coming up. 
every quarter in business makes a difference. And so the goal is to constantly reapproach. And that's that's hard on a leader, right? You constantly are going after something. You feel like you're constantly selling yourself and you're part of the business to go get them to insight and bring forward. But you have to, someone has to be the connection tissue. And I feel like technology does that for businesses today. That's my best advice for a lot of technologists is to continue to have meetings without too much agenda. Other, you know, I know that's like counterintuitive. And when you go to business school, they're like, have an agenda and make sure everybody gets checked off. And, you know, I know those meetings are great too, but I do think, you know, I tell people it is actually like a real part of your job to call people up, find out what they're planning, you know, just kind of shoot the. Yeah. It's true. It's <laughs> the true, breeze. Right? Um, because it really creates that really for when you do have something important to do, you've got the relationship, you've got the context. I'm a kind of context person. So, yeah, well, you uh, know what, the, my favorite thing to do is to walk into a room and have a uh, blank paper everywhere and just say, what do we envision? What do we see? I think white papering walls and getting people to think and to draw and, and I'm a, I look, I, I, I draw stick figures very well. You know, I'm a, I'm a line to line kind of person, but the creativity comes out of that. And so every new project we approach, we do that effect with it. And so luckily in our business, we have a lot of wink walls and allows us that freedom, that freedom to interchange. Um, but I suggest that everywhere. So if you have to do meetings online constantly, pull up a whiteboard app, make sure you're constantly talking about it. Don't make it just a, a verbal conversation, make it a visual conversation. So the context flows together and make sure that you're, you're speaking, you know, because, and drawing can be fun. It, it adds a whole new layer of things. Um, the best meetings we always have is when it has food with it, right? Lots of laughter, lots of white paper and lots of fun. It breaks down the hardest problems into the most basic elements and that allows you to rebuild them into the complexity that they need to be in the future, but in the right way, in the right form. And at the end of the day, you have fun with it, right? So laughter is the best thing that you can ever have. And it's very strategic. I want to just point out that it's not a side thing. What I hear in between the lines of what you're saying, you've got a lot of great tactics, but creating an environment of uh, where it's secure uh, to play, to have fun, to try new ideas, um, that environment is tricky to really create. And once you do, it's, I think, worth hanging on to because it does drive innovation. Let me switch gears a little bit because I understand that you also, um, you're an advisory board member. And so mm -hmm. you've been kind of working um, to uh, leverage that position to help other companies and people. I have one dumb question though, which is what is an advisory board member? Yeah. <laughs> So it's very similar to um, a regular board member, um, only um, it, the difference is you're, you're helping to, uh, let's take a, uh, for example, a uh, WILDA, which is Women Leaders in Data and AI. In that advisory board, what I help to do is formulate the new programs that we're going to initiate. I help to formulate how we um, obtain more members, right? We help to guide and, and suggest on uh, big initiatives for the new year on even um, cost values that they can have and where we might put in um, you know, new different uh, uh, cast members or even associates that might be hired. So it's very similar to a board position, um, but the difference is I think you, you get to um, help guide the CEO in a different way without the pressures of making all the determinations of the business. It's more of advising them to do the best that they can for that organization or business. Interesting. And so how do you think um, you can use your advisory board positions to evolve 
of the general technology innovation discussion? Yeah, I think, um, well, first is there's so many great advisory uh, positions out there. Um, and so I would suggest if people are looking towards that, uh, make sure that you you put yourself known out there. Um, there's so many different um, companies that are looking for more advisory board members now because technology is evolving constantly. They're now putting um, technology at the top of their conversations, right? So when they're sitting in their own boardrooms, they're starting to think about what else do we need to keep innovating? And technology comes to the forefront of that. And so they're looking for people in the data space. They're looking for people in the hardware and infrastructure space because that's constantly changing or the cloud space, right? Communication, telecom's a big one. Um, and so as we think about it, you know, the best way to advise with that is just staying landscaped against it and understanding those areas. Um, and making sure that you're constantly being in contact with others that are in those spaces. So I just came out of a cloud and telecom conference that I was super excited to get into because, you know, G5 was such a big thing that changed the way that we're all looking at telecom. And then what are we going to redo to address that as we need to look at our pipelines and what's coming out after that, right? How is quantum coming out, right? What are we all doing in the AI space to build into quantum or, as you mentioned, machine learning? And so it formulates to so many things. And then what I like to do is I continue as I build that is to then revise that per different organization that I'm working with. So if they're looking at a new factor around it, I'm helping them to understand it and then also putting them in touch with people that know it. So giving them advice on good companies to go look at, giving them advice on how to go and um, talk to others about it. So it's a great networking. Um, it's a great way to put the pieces together so that you keep growing um, and for yourself and for your businesses. That's amazing. You know, so in your, in your professional role, in your, um, I guess, extra professional role as advisory, uh, a board member, you know, what are your thoughts in technology about kind of like, what do we need to be as leaders in technology? Things we need to be thinking about. We talked a little bit about privacy. Um, you know, I can't help but mention like getting enough women in, and people who are not like underrepresented. Like what are some of the kind of big ideas that you're thinking about and coordinating with your boards on? Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, yes, I, as we all said, security and privacy are probably the top of mind, but they have to be, right? And anything that you do, they're just a part of every conversation. Um, and that's great, right? Because then you know if you're doing it, you have some some governance around it and you're going to do it right. Um, but I think some of the big things that we're looking at is obviously uh, continuing to innovate and drive the way that we are running our data our data is going to make the difference for how we understand our business, how we operate our business, and you know what we're going to do in the future with the business. And so it's really important that data is always at the forefront. But it's not just consuming data. It's consuming it and then reevaluating and using it. That's going to be tactical for the business and give them the strategies that they need. Um, and so data is always going to be, I think, in the next few years, a part of everyone's conversation which leads into AI and the way that we use that data to string in the AI to say, now we can get it more robust, right? And now we can use it to more of a learning capability that really drives the business more successfully. Oh, do, let me just pause you for a second because I want to summarize for the listeners too. I think you've had some really great points around this um, adopting generative AI um, uh, approach, which is what I'm hearing is keep all your friends, all your peers have to be signed in, right? You keep all your peers and signed in understanding the benefits and the risks and the timelines. And I hear you also saying like, pick your use cases. You don't have to be all in day one. And the other thing, uh, which may have gotten overlooked if you've been listening to this is the ability to benchmark. I think on a quarterly basis, you're checking in and a kind of 
it sounded to me like not like overly onerous a process, but a process nonetheless to check in and see if you're happy with the results. Yeah, great recap. Um, and thank you for taking that all out of what I said. <laughs> it's fantastic. But yeah, that's a great recap. I think quarterly you evaluate um, the technology, uh, you reevaluate re the associates within the technology and make sure that they're still sitting in the right seats against what they're doing. Um, and you reevaluate your business. So every quarter it's essential um, because every quarter we know every day something new is happening or being built in technology, right? It's happening so quickly. So quarterly seems like it's the right time. If you wait till end of year, you're catching up and that's too long for me because I feel like, and every, every end of year is different for everyone, but I feel like at that point, you're already in that long stretch of next year. How do you even know what you want to change for next year if you've waited till that point, right? So the key is quarterly to quarterly. Um, and I think there's a lot with that as we keep growing. Um, so it works for me yeah. and the business. Um, it's worked for me for successful. And I think my associates don't feel it's so onerous when you do do a quarterly because there's a lot that you need to still take out of your own um, groups, right? And so by keeping them on task that way, um, they're starting to feel like it's a part of their routine and they're prepared for it and they're ready to engage in it. Um, waiting till end of year, as most companies do, they're just like, nope, this is going to take too long. We're never going to hit every objective and we're not going to get to it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I, this time of year, right? Um, I was just explaining to some colleagues, like in big enterprise, right? Everything gets very sleepy at this time of year. And then everyone shows up early next year and starts like freaking out because they promised a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like game on it makes for a very like difficult tempo if you yeah. are only doing it on an annual basis um uh so as a you know thinking of like uh, as your role as like a tech leader i'm sure you've got some other women peers who uh you said you're uh, an advisory board i'm sorry tell me the name of the organization one more time sure. women leaders. yeah i uh, women leaders in data and ai so it's called wilda um and uh, we have, uh, I have many advisory boards. I, I get a really oh. great pleasure of sitting on a lot of different advisory boards, but this happens to be one really focused around women leaders in the data and AI space, which is unique because um, as you mentioned, there's not too many women leaders out there, very few C-suite um, technology leaders that are females, although I feel like it's growing at each aptitude. Um, and so what's exciting about these types of opportunities and bringing female leaders together is that we are building for the next generation. Um, and I find that those that are tech stars rising up through these organizations, they're really um, feeling empowered talking to someone who is a C-suite and what their journey was and that their journey wasn't perfect, right? Everybody had to learn. I could tell you sleepless nights, I, I mean, that I, I spent trying to figure out problems and concerns. Um, how many calls I took in the middle of the night for, you know, servers being down or how many times I slept underneath my desk trying to figure out why I'm still doing what I'm doing. Right. But it's all a part of the journey that we take because, um, you know, when we're very passionate and when we believe in what we're building, uh, we're going to see it through. And so that doesn't mean that it's always going to fit together. Right. If we were to think about the way that AI is built. Right. You don't take one algorithm, say, boom, I'm done. Let's walk away. Right you know you have to rebuild it and rebuild it and rebuild it and you have to build in a lab consequence and so a lot of things we do in technology is through a lot of innovations um mm -hmm. so there's a lot of female great leaders out there and more and more to come there's so many fabulous leaders in our government um that are hidden gems in the cdao space um right in the cio space over there 
Um, I have so many that I've met, uh, so many in the private sector as well, in the public sector. It's just a very exciting time to be in technology and to meet so many other um, really passionate leaders. But I really hope to see more as they come. Um, I know I mentor a lot of technology leaders coming out of like Columbia University and, and other areas. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm super passionate about that. And those that work for me, I'm constantly mentoring. And then I build a mentoring um, relationship for others. So if you're interested, um, whether uh, you know, you're on our service desk or whether you're already in a development role, uh, we build mentorships so that you can learn from others and have a safe space to go and talk to you and really just kind of um, keep helping yourself build yourself further. Um, so I suggest that for everyone. Uh, build labs, build safe environments, build mentorship programs, and continue to build educational programs within your own resources. Take some of your budget and do that. Um, mm -hmm. I have to slice it off from something else, which I had to do, but I knew when I did it, it was going to work forward for us and it did. And so we keep doing it. Oh, that's great. I love that. My new recent thing I've been doing uh, is a uh, reverse mentorship as well. Like I have mentors who are much younger than I am in technology. It's um, super handy, actually. One, because I learn things, but two, it kind of puts you in that mindset. I can't help, you know, like giving is getting and getting is giving. I don't know exactly how, what the elixir is there, but it makes me a better mentor when I'm getting advice. <laughs> so I, think I love that. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess in some ways I get a little of that, but I, I haven't concreted it out, but I, I think I will in the future. I think that I, I love that. It's important. Um, and I just think all of, all of us can really do, you know, I always try and say yes when people want advice, <laughs> always try yeah. and say yes to that call. If you can, it's very, it's uh, really helpful for a lot of folks and including yourself. Um, all right. Well, um, it's, you know, I want to come down to the kind of end of our discussion here. And I think what I ask you to think about, or you just summarize is, you know, let's say I've got two questions. Let's say I'm starting out. Um, you know, I have a five that I'm a CEO of that $500,000 year business. I need to grow, but keep innovating. What are some key pieces of advice? Two or three things like, don't forget this. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I, uh, to summarize in two to three is, um, make sure you do celebrate the small wins. I, I can't encourage that enough because um, everyone shoots for the big unobtainable wins and think that that's where they, they need to stop and it's not. So make sure that you do celebrate the small wins and make sure that you bring those on the journey with you, celebrating with you. Cause they're so important to remember each small thing is a milestone and your business will keep growing with that. Um, to make sure that you do go out and um, look for some of those resources that are out there that are going to help you to learn more. Um, so don't be afraid to go out to um, some of the events um, that, that come up. Uh, don't be afraid to listen to podcasts like this, which are fantastic, right? What, what are some of your favorite resources? You've mentioned that a couple of times, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but do you have any recommendations for us? No, no, please. Um, I think, you know, throughout the year, some of my, my best things was First, I'm a big Forbes reader, um, so I don't know if everybody's a Forbes reader, but Forbes um, has some great articles. Um, they do a lot in the technology space, but I read a lot within that. Um, Total Retail is one of my favorite, and it, it is one that talks a lot about retail. They do podcasts. Uh, they do events. Um, and the reason I like it is because it scales across the globe, um, and it really talks about uh, different ways that people are using, whether it be technology or using business. And it also gives you the latest news. So I love it just because there's always something to learn from that. 
Um, and so there's I just love so that. many. I just interrupt you. I love that because we all experience retail as like shoppers, but the actual business of retail is very difficult. Yes. <laughs> It is. And I think that that's where I learned the most. I mean, I happen to be in retail today, but I've not always been in retail. And yet I was always drawn to learning from retail because everything we do, right? If you think about some of those really big leaders out there, you know, the Amazon, Disney, um, Tesla, all of them are giants in the technology space as well, but they're retailers and they all forge together. And so I think that, you know, there's so much to learn in that space, as you said, because it is tough business. It changes all the time. And so people are, are if you can stay in the business and be successful, then there's something to learn from your story. And I think that's how we empower. Um, and so it works the same way. I've always been in, in different areas, but it's the area that I find the most education from. And of Total course, retail. I like that. I'm taking that down. And also just quick note for our listeners, right? That's great if you're in the retail business, but I would also suggest if you're an investor, really mm -hmm. understanding retail is just gives you a lot of foresight and a particular perspective that others may not be getting. I completely agree with you. And I love that because investors are always relearning because they want to know what's coming out next. And these types of areas are so important. It's even listening to some of the things on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn does a great job of giving you a lot of insight, a lot of advisory. Um, and so I love just staying active as wherever you can, right? Again, taking little bits and pieces from everything um, and even the local news, right? I'm still an old fashioned newspaper person as well. So I know a lot of people aren't, but you know, I see so many books behind you. I have avenues of books as well. It's just taking resources from everything. Um, and I do a lot of like listening for uh, audiobooks. Yeah. Audiobooks are a great way to get into something and really learn differently, um, to understand it differently, and then not to have to worry about, oh, I just fell asleep with a book on me <laughs> again. Right? right. And you can do cooking while you're listening to a podcast or whatever else. So it's kind of nice. Well, double. Yeah. You can use it on the flights. You can use it while you're traveling. It's such a big, um, good engagement place. So there's just so many different things that I okay. would say. I interrupted you because I got excited about total retail, but um, what you're saying is, you know, make sure you celebrate those um, short wins and be milestone focused, um, stay educated and cross cross pollinate everything, you know, um, anything else that you want to make sure these young CTOs and CEOs know. I would also suggest um, if you can get an advisory board, advisory boards um, are not um, the cost of a board, right? They're really there to help advise you. They're, they're really there and boards are fantastic as well, right? I'm a board member as well, but I would highly suggest getting advisory boards. They will help you to gain the success that you need, help you to foresee things that you just can't get past those small um, blockers, they help with that, right? Find people in the industry like myself who have been around, who have done a lot of different things and help you build that. Um, I think that's a, one of the best things I can provide someone when they're at that point of ready to launch off and hear opinions. Again, don't, don't be too um, safeguarded. Make sure that you can take down a little bit of that and take some advice. Advice is how we all get through, um, you know, learning and, and getting to our next step in life. I'm delighted that you're mentioning that. And I really can't underscore this enough. Something a lot of entrepreneurs and even like mid-sized business CEOs and leaders don't understand is that people love helping you. If you have a specific question, it's like quirky. You, you're sitting at home, you know, you're <laughs> by yourself. You think, why would someone engage? Why would this fancy person engage with me? Honestly, people love helping. 
they absolutely love helping and um you know and it's up to them to take what advice they want from it uh but there are a lot of leaders out there that can give you some great great advice that can help you move forward and pass that mid-year mark or pass whatever that milestone is that you're trying to get to there well, i've really enjoyed speaking with you i think we need to do another podcast on time management because you're clearly an expert you've got a lot of things going on uh, <laughs> you're reading a lot yeah. You're on the advisory boards. You've really, um, you've really inspired me today uh, chatting with you. Um, the only thing I need is just one more view of the interview bear so we can sign off. Absolutely. Always <laughs> it's been <here>. great. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and stop our recording. It's been great talking with you today. Thank you. You too. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.